As a soulful entrepreneur, it can be challenging to charge your worth. You just want to help people, right? Trust me, I get it. You've been discounting your programs, products, and services, and now you're starting to feel resentful of your clients and not excited to show up and serve your audience. It's because you're not aligned with your pricing. Does that sound familiar? If so, you're not alone. When I started my business as a life coach back in April 2018, I was struggling to know what to charge for my services. When someone would ask me how much it cost to work with me, I would panic because I didn't feel confident in my pricing. I also didn't believe that I was worth what I was charging. It can be difficult, especially as women, to ask for what we deserve. We don't want to make others feel uncomfortable, so we sacrifice our own comfort for theirs. Deep down, a part of us still doesn't feel like we deserve to charge our worth. I mean, who would pay that much for what you're offering? Well, the truth is, undercharging isn't doing anyone any favors. When you become aligned with your pricing, not only will you show up more powerfully, but so will your clients. And that's exactly why I've created a free guided meditation that will help you to release limiting beliefs around pricing your products and services, feel more empowered in your pricing so you can start charging your worth, and help you create massive abundance in your life and business right now. Through this guided meditation and a series of emails, I will share with you how one client went from making 2K a month and feeling stressed and overworked to making her first 10K month while working less and having more fun in her business. If you're ready to feel empowered in your pricing and start charging your worth, go to the link in the show notes now to download this powerful guided meditation. Aloha, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Alice Little. Alice is a native of Ireland who now lives in Nevada and is considered America's most successful legal sex worker. As the number one luxury companion at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, she brings in around a million dollars annually and credits her success to a philosophy that goes far beyond simple sexual activity. She believes that sex work can be not merely a physical experience, but also one of greater intimacy and connection, and strives to reflect that through the services she provides. She is also a passionate advocate for sex education and sex workers' rights, fighting to dismantle the stereotypes and stigma that surround legal sex work. In today's episode, Alice shares with us how she got into her work as a BDSM presenter and sex educator and how that led her into the work she is doing today as a luxury companion at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. She shares with us what the process and requirements are to become a legal sex worker and what that really means. We talk about the biggest misconceptions about sex workers and the misconceptions about the people who hire her for her services. We discuss what her first experience was like negotiating her prices and how she has been able to own her worth. We talk about why it is so common for women, regardless of the industry that you're in, to ask for what we want and deserve. Alice shares practical tips to help you discover your own worth. She also shares with us what a typical day in her life looks like and how she sets boundaries with her clients and in her business. This is such an eye-opening episode about a field that is often misunderstood and misrepresented in the media. 
If you know somebody who could benefit from listening to this episode, make sure you send them the link right now. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Alice. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Lee, and I'm a business mindset coach, public speaker, world record holder, power lifter, and self-love advocate. I believe that there is so much power in owning and sharing our story, which is why on this podcast, I interview other powerful women about the challenges that they have overcome to be where they are today. My goal for this podcast is to create a safe space for all women to share their real, raw, and mostly unedited stories that will leave you empowered to live more authentically, openly, and freely. If you're looking to up-level your happiness, success, and fulfillment, then you've come to the right place. Look at this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development and mindset work to help you shift into your most uplifted self. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Alice Little. Alice is a luxury companion at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch and is the highest paid legal sex worker in the United States. She brings in around a million dollars annually and credits her success to a philosophy that goes far beyond simple sexual activity. She is a passionate advocate for sex education and sex workers' rights, fighting to dismantle the stereotypes and stigma that surround legal sex work. She is also an internationally acclaimed sex and BDSM presenter. Welcome to the podcast, Alice. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. We're going to have such a great chat. I can already tell we're going to have a lot of fun. Yes, I can already tell from the conversation we had before we pressed record. And I just want to, you know, let everybody else know how I found Alice. So I found you through the Skinny Confidential podcast, and I just fell in love with you immediately, like in the first five minutes, just by you know, how open and honest you are and just the incredible work that you're doing with helping to dismantle the stigma around legal sex work and I think sex in general. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Seriously, it's an opportunity to be able to have a conversation about stigma and actually call out what its real effects are and help lessen them for the betterment of society. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk all about that. But first, I want to ask you to share a story about your past that brought you into the work that you're doing today as a luxury companion and sex and BDSM presenter. Oh, goodness. Well, I guess if we really were to trace things all the way back, it kind of started when I first became a sex educator. Not a lot of people realize this, but prior to working as a sex worker at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, I already had a fairly successful career as a BDSM educator. And the origin of that story is pretty unique. I had just signed up for college in New York City. I get paired with a random roommate. I'm, I'm not one for much of gender biases and this particular campus was fairly progressive and had mixed dormitories. So my roommate was actually male. I later learned that they actually identified as non-binary. So 
myself and my new roommate are having a conversation and I'm like, oh, well, that's a whole lot of leather. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. Do you do like dog training? And it's like, well, I kind of do dog training. Do you want to come see what I do? And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go see what you do. I'm an animal lover. Yeah, we weren't talking about actual <laughs> puppies, guys. We were talking about leather puppies. For those that are not familiar, in the BDSM and kink world, there is a sub-fetish known as puppy play in which a trainer works with a puppy who wears a leather hood and dons all of this very specific gear to kind of go into this experience that allows them to change their headspace and really embody that persona of a, a humanized dog. I fell in love with it in about five seconds flat and was like, great, how do I sign up to work here? And I ended up getting a job as being the front desk receptionist of one of New York City's top private dungeons. I was responsible for handling and scheduling all the appointments, as well as setting up their educational track. It was through that that I eventually was asked to do my own presentation. I had attended so many classes and we had a presenter cancel last moment. So someone's like, hey, get up there. You do the thing. You do it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can really do this, but like, I'll get up there and, you know, give it a swing. So I taught a little flogging class, which eventually led to another location inviting me to present for them, which led to a national conference inviting me to present. And once that happened, it kind of just took on a life of its own. And the next thing I knew, I've been in 48 different states, four different countries. I've presented at over 50 events. And while presenting, one of my co-presenters was like, hey, you need to talk to this chick. You need to talk to her about what she does. You were saying that you don't make a lot of money doing sex education. Which is true, by the way. Our sex educators are woefully, woefully underpaid. But um, she was working as a sex worker at the world-famous Moonlight Bunny Ranch. And I'm like, wait, what? This is illegal? Oh my god, sign me up. So I learned about the ranch and within 72 hours was on a plane on my way to go and work at the ranch. That's Kind of a little bit crazy, but I decided to just take this massive leap forward and try something new and found myself exposed to a completely different sphere of society mm -hmm. that I had never thought I would work with. Wow, that's amazing. I love that story. So how what was that process like of you starting to work there? Like, did you have to apply? Did you have, like, were there you know, strict, like, how, do, how does that process work of you actually starting to be, you know, work as a legal sex worker? Well, the very first thing that you need to do is apply online. Typically, you'll write a few sentences about who you are, why you might be a good fit for this industry, provide some information about any relevant background that you have, whether it be a porn star, a sex educator, or completely unfamiliar with the line of work altogether. You'll also send a few photos. By, by no means are they looking for like head to toe nude pictures. They just want an idea of what you look like. Not like all done up and dollified with your makeup and your hair. They just want to see you. This way they can pair you with the location that's going to be the best fit. The Moonlight Bunny Ranch Company isn't just one brothel. 
were actually a series of four different locations. The Moonlight Bunny Ranch, the Kit Kat Ranch, the Sagebrush Ranch, and the Love Ranch. I actually started my journey over at the Sagebrush Ranch. Each location kind of has its own feel and energy, and so they try to pair the girls up with whichever location is going to be most beneficial to them. I'm kind of a shy introvert, which, again, tends to surprise people, but at the time, I was very, very new, very nervous, and so I was put at a location that was a bit more low-key, kind of like a family living room. After they accept your online application, you then undergo a phone application in which the HR manager has a full-on conversation with you to determine whether you're emotionally going to be a good fit for this industry. Have you ever done this line of work before? Do you have any questions? Is there anything that we should be aware of? What do you hope to gain out of this experience? And if they determine you to be a good fit for the industry, you'll then be given a series of potential starting dates. Generally speaking, we request that new ladies come out to the ranch on a Tuesday because the doctor visits us every single Wednesday. As part of the law, we are required to see a doctor every single week to undergo STD and STI testing. We are not legally able to work until we get those results back. You figure those results are good for an entire week. And so every single Wednesday tends to be when new ladies either come in or leave in order to catch up with the doctor's schedule. But wait, we're not done there. There's still more to become a legal sex worker. Once you undergo the doctor's examination and you get your results back, you then have to go to the sheriff's office and actually apply for a prostitution card, which I'll get to here in a little bit as to why I feel like that term is a problem. But at the moment, it's called a work card or a prostitute card. And you have to undergo an extensive federal background check. We actually have our fingerprints taken and run against the FBI system to ensure that everyone working in the system is on the up and up. Then, and only then, do you actually get your work card and permission to work legally. Your very first week, you're going to be partnered up with a more experienced lady that's been in the industry for a while. She's going to kind of act as your mentor, help you out, help you through your first couple negotiations, and help you get established. I personally have introduced a brand new course called the, the New Girl Class. Essentially, I now meet with all of our new ladies each week and kind of give them all the information I wish I was given when I first started the industry. How do you figure out your taxes? What's the best business structure? What kind of accounting things should I be aware of? How do I create a retirement plan for myself when essentially you're now the CEO of a small business? It's so much more than just, oh, showing up and being an employee. We're actually independent contractors, which means that we have quite a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you now are like a mentor to other women who are coming in. I think that's so amazing. So what was your first experience like exchanging money or asking for money or getting paid for this new line of work? Because I think so often, and I think this goes beyond you know, legal sex work. But I think for women, it can be really hard to determine what our prices should be to ask for money in general. 
Yes, 110% agreed on that. I just saw something come across my YouTube the other day in which it was talking about how to ask for a raise. And it pointed out the fact that women don't ask for raises at the same instance that men tend to ask for raises. And I think it speaks to that same point of women struggle with understanding what the value of their labor is. So for me, coming into this new line of work, I was very, very nervous. I kind of had a general idea of different ranges, but I wasn't sure how that really related to me personally. So there's a couple of different ways that ladies get to meet with guests. The first way is through a lineup, which is how my first experience happened. During a lineup, they press an all-call bell to let all of the available ladies know that we have a guest available that's looking to enjoy some companionship, as it were. So all of the ladies come out to the parlor, stand in a line, and then introduce themselves by name. Now, I'm sure a few people here are sitting going, wait a minute, you stand in a line and say your name? That's degrading. No, really, it's kind of more like a, like a catwalk sort of scenario where we're given an opportunity to show off our best features, our personalities, kind of smile and connect with the guests on more than just an appearance-based level. So I was picked out of this lineup and my first reaction was to look to the person next to me because I thought he, I thought he grabbed the wrong person. I was like, wait, me? Oh, oh shit. Oh my God, this is my first lineup. Like I haven't even- This is happening. (laughs) Shit. So of course my big sister, like bless her, she pushes me forward and she's like, go, go. And I'm like, hi, okay. Would you like to see the place? Let me uh, uh, give you a, um, a tour of the ranch. And so I'm shaking, I'm nervous. I'm wearing a pair of heels. I almost trip over myself twice going down the hallways. Thank God the guy was like holding onto my arm because like he manages to catch me because I straight up trip over a wrinkle in the carpet. Almost, oh, that was fun. Almost face planted in front of everybody in the house. That was, that was really real classy of me. So super anxiety filled, really, really nervous. And we finally make it back to my bedroom. We get through the tour. I sit down with him. I'm on one side, my big sister's on the other side. And we simply start having a conversation. For some reason, I thought that this was going to be like a hostage negotiation. Cause like, When you hear the word negotiation, you instantly think of something that's pressuresome and serious, but it's not like that at all. It's instead a conversation about what are you looking for today? What do you hope to gain out of this experience? What kind of a connection are you seeking? And then we figure out what kinds of things we want to try together. So for this particular gentleman, he really wanted a massage which ended up working out great and in my favor because I previously had worked as a massage therapist. I've got a fair bit of training and schooling in my background. And so I'm like, oh, by all means, what's hurting? And I kind of was able to find myself through the things that I already felt comfortable in. And then I started to add in the other things that I was a little bit more nervous to talk about, like the sex and the intimacy. What positions do you enjoy? And Four years later, it sounds really silly, but I was like so nervous to say the word blowjob. Like, you, you want to, do, do you want, do, do you want oral, oral maybe? No, it, it's a blowjob. You can call it a blowjob. It's okay. So I, I finally get it out there as it were. And finally we get to the moment where he turns to me and he says, well, how much? 
and I had to take a deep breath. And I remember thinking to myself, a piece of advice that I was given, in fact, by my big sister, which was, if you don't believe in yourself and your rights and your service, they are never going to believe in you, your rights or your service. And so I tried to pull inspiration from that. And as confidently as I possibly could with my hands dripping sweat, I'm like, it's going to be this amount, which happened to be a mid four figure amount. And the guy kind of sat there for a second and was like, hmm, not quite what I had in mind. What if we do? And, you know, he that offers a different amount. And we ended up going back and forth a few different times before finally settling on something that made us both feel really comfortable. And I remember, I distinctly remember being like relieved almost like, oh my God, the tough part's over. Because like the idea of having sex with someone isn't what scared me. It was the idea of having to tell somebody this is how much that is worth. That's, that's where my fear was. Like, I had become very comfortable with myself in terms of my own intimacy and sexuality, in terms of my body, from doing sex education. But there was never that component of monetization in which I'm really having to tell somebody, hey, this is how much my time, effort and energy is worth. And I think in so many ways, it was an amazing lesson. And it was such a a life changing moment for me that... I haven't looked back since. I've been doing this full time for the past four years now. Wow, that's so amazing. And I can totally resonate with that, with the feeling of, you know, having to ask for your, like what you perceive as your worth. And it really goes back to you first knowing your worth, you know? And so I think that that's, like you said, what your big sister, the advice she gave you to, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, like no one else is going to. And so I think that's really so powerful. Like, how did you really own that? Like, was there work that you had to do before you could really like own your worth? Or, I mean, has it been a continual process in the past four years of like getting more comfortable with charging more? There was actually an exercise that I'd love to share with everybody that really was the turning point for me. And I feel like it would be beneficial for anybody that's in the service industry to undergo. So what I did is I I wrote down a list of what I perceived my services to be. These are the things that I am providing for someone I'm providing. Emotional support through text messaging and touching base with them. I'm providing physical support oftentimes to guests that have physical disabilities. I'm helping them through the experience. I'm helping people learn how their body mechanics work. I'm working with couples to improve their relationships. And then I sat down and I said, if somebody were to do this for me, how much would I value that at? And I started adding everything up and I realized, wow, holy shit, I'm providing a lot of value to people. There's actually quite a lot to this. There's a lot more than just the, oh, but like as 20, 30, 40 minutes of my time, an hour of my time, an afternoon with me, is this really worth this this luxury companion? Am I really what I'm saying that I am? And when I put it all out there on paper and actually like saw it in black and white, it's like, you know, yeah, actually, there, there is a lot of value to this. And as a result of that, I've been feeling a lot more confident in myself. And 
that change happened probably six months into my career when I finally sat down and said, you know, I need to like come to terms with these feelings. And it's something too that not everybody is ready for that exercise right away. Sometimes it takes time to get emotionally comfortable enough to be vulnerable and actually write all of that out there and be like, well, what is it that I do? What value am I giving to people? And it's interesting too, especially for those that are established service providers, you can even reach out to your guests or clientele and be like, tell me how I've helped you the most. I'm I'm very curious to know what's been the biggest change you've seen in your life. How has that helped you? How has it affected you? And when I asked that question, I had a Fortune 500 CEO turn to me and say, you know, you saved my marriage. Like I was on the verge of breaking up with my wife. I... I, I'm really into sex. She, she's got cancer. She can't have sex with me anymore. She has ovarian cancer. That's, that's not something she can physically do, even if she wanted to. And I was letting that get in the way of everything else I loved about her. I couldn't move past that. And it was causing a strain in our relationship. Now that that need is getting met, like our relationship has never been better. And Eventually, he ended up introducing me to his wife, which was just the most amazing thing. But I had to take a step back there and put myself in his shoes and be like, wow, I changed that guy's life. I literally changed his life. I literally saved his relationship. This is real. This is like a real value that I just brought to somebody. Holy crap, there's something to this. And I think from that moment forward, I really stopped viewing myself as just a sex worker and started to see myself as a companion, a a courtesan even, somebody that's learned how to be there for someone, how to show up in the most optimal way, how to support somebody, not just sexually, but emotionally too. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that story. You know, I always have my clients look at the full picture of how they really impact their clients' lives. Because I think we, you know, like, for instance, for you, I think so often you might just look at like the physical side, like, oh, well, I'm just giving this physical service. But like you said, there's the emotional piece, there's the even like a deep, like spiritual piece that you feel with some of your clients, like that deeper connection. So I think that's really powerful for anybody who's struggling to see their worth to really look at like the different areas of somebody's life. And like you said, ask them like, how did I help you? Getting that feedback is so powerful, but I would love to hear more about the emotional side of how you help your clients like that emotional labor. Well, here's a question for you and everyone else. When's the last time you had like a 30 second hug with somebody that you weren't married to or in a committed relationship with? Like, when's the last time you actually, like, just embraced another human being? I mean, I do it all the time, but... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, most people... Most people, yeah. I'm a very uh, affectionate person, for sure. Which is a beautiful gift, by the way, and so, so important to have that in your life. But it wasn't always that way. I can definitely say that, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm, and... I feel like for so many Americans, that is their reality, where they wake up, maybe they go out for breakfast somewhere, they have maybe three sentences of dialogue with the waitress, they don't remember her name or her face, and then they're on to their next task. They're 
going grocery shopping. They've purchased their groceries. They couldn't tell you what the grocery packer looked like. They couldn't tell you what his name was. They fail to connect in a genuine capacity in their lives so much so that it actually causes a serious emotional deficit. We're, we're social animals. You figure if you go back in terms of our own biology, we were meant to live in tribal type societies, in groups. And modern day life now has us isolated in our own brick houses behind these white picket fences that don't actually bring us any happiness or bring us any emotional fulfillment. What I do is I bring emotional fulfillment to someone's life. I touch them. I hold them. I allow them the space to take a deep breath and just exist and be fully at peace with who they are in that moment. And, and I feel like this is especially too for, um, for men in society because we don't allow them to be vulnerable. And the majority of my guests are, are men. And oftentimes they're very successful in all areas of their life except for sex and intimacy because they've not been taught how to. They've not been given an opportunity to connect. And I think so much of what I do is simply being there for somebody to show them that, hey, it's okay for us to just like cuddle and put our arms around each other and lean into the warmth of it to enjoy the pressure of someone's head being on your chest and feeling your hands play with someone's hair and just enjoying that simple, basic connection. It's It sounds so simple, but for so many people, they don't have that in their life. Like, how often do you think that you're the guy at the grocery store, for example, how often do you think that somebody takes the time out of their day to connect with him and touch base with him and make him feel appreciated? Probably not very often. Instead, he's probably used to being disregarded and overlooked. And when somebody spends time with me, they get to be seen and felt and heard. They get to feel as if things are okay for a little while. And oftentimes it ends up being the very first step on a journey to self-love in so many ways. Yeah, I really see it as you just being present with somebody. And I see that like when I go out and I'm, like you said, at the grocery store, that people are just rushing around. They don't take time to like look at somebody even in the eyes and like say hello and make that genuine connection with people. And I think that's why, like we were saying, the world is just craving this connection. Like we're so disconnected from one another. So I think it's just so amazing the work that you're doing because it's not just satisfying this sexual need. It's like really so much more than that. And so I would love to hear about some other maybe misconceptions that people have around what legal sex work really is. Who we see. That is a tremendous misconception. This is something that a lot of my guests share with me is the fact that society judges those who see sex workers almost, if not more harshly, than those who are sex workers. Oh, it must mean something about this person that they're paying for this service. And it's like, uh, actually, yeah. no, 
there, there is no stigma. I see men. I see women. I see trans individuals. I've worked with folks that are intersex. I work with couples. I see such a diverse range of people from all walks of life. I've worked with people who, if I said their name right now, you'd be like, oh, shit, really? I've worked with people you're never going to hear of. There is a full spectrum of people that seek out the services of sex workers because it's so much more than fulfilling just one basic need. Every single experience is nuanced and different, which is why I love to sit down and have a conversation with somebody before we actually start our adventure together. I want to learn what are your goals in life? What do you hope to achieve? What kinds of things can I do to support you? How can I be there for you? Beyond just what do you want to try sexually? And I'll tell you too, there's actually a real value to exploring oneself sexually. Because oftentimes that internalized fear of sex and of enjoying sex, of exploring our deepest, darkest fantasies and desires and fetishes, we put so much judgment and stigma on ourselves that when we actually choose to undergo an experience and try that thing we've been thinking about for 10 years, it almost is like a weight coming off of someone's shoulders that affects so much more than just, oh, hey, I got to have that threesome I've always wanted to. It's like, wow, if I can have a threesome, I can do anything. And it's amazing the mindset shift that it ends up causing. So there's that value to it as well. Um, other things that I end up doing that people are very surprised by, I, I work with guests that are on the autism spectrum. I've kind of become known as, I don't want to say like, oh, I specialize in working with folks with disabilities, but I've kind of become a go-to resource for that community in the sense that I'm not bothered by alternative forms of communication. Hey, you use a speech board, you use a picture exchange system, great. So long as you're able to clearly understand and give consent, I'm willing to work with anybody and I don't really allow physical differences to come between somebody getting their needs met. Like if it takes you 15 minutes to get from your wheelchair to the bed, I'm not worried about that. We're going to take our time. We're going to lean into that. And if there's a way to incorporate our wheelchair or your wheelchair into the experience and like show you how that's a powerful sexual tool, like, Hey, let me show you some really hot sex positions you can do in your in your wheelchair that like other people don't get to do. That's that's amazing. It's life changing for people. And for whatever reason, people don't people don't think about that. They don't they don't ask themselves, oh, where do people with cerebral palsy get their intimate needs met? Well, I'll tell you right now, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for somebody who has that condition to just show up at a bar and pick up a chick without running into stigma and prejudice. People, unfortunately, are not kind in society all of the time and not understanding of differences. And as such, I provide a safe space for anyone and everyone to come and embrace and celebrate who they are rather than be stigmatized for what makes them different. Mm, that's what I really love about you, Alice, is that you're just so open and accepting and really like non-judgmental, I think of anybody. And I just think that's just such a powerful quality to have. And I think why so many people just feel so safe 
to be with you and be open and be vulnerable and, you know, try new things. And it's just so powerful that, I mean, it's just so perfect that you're doing this line of work because it's, it's just really who you are. It's so beautiful. It sounds really silly, but I love people. I love humanity. I love human kind. For whatever reason, ever since I was very young, I always would love to just sit and talk to people and, and just hear their stories, learn from their life lessons, and kind of be present with them while they share something that's deeply personal. And it's so interesting because I don't know if I've ever really made the connection, but I'm like, oh, yeah, you figure in so many ways, sex workers are also record keepers of society. We get to hear somebody's life. We get to say, yes, you are. Yes, you did that. Yes, you did that. And you should be proud of that. And now we're going to celebrate that. Let's actually take the time to celebrate the fact that you are you, that you are here, you are breathing, you are alive, that your presence betters the lives of others. And now I want to better your life too. Let's see what kind of magic we can create together and continue to just add to people's lives. I love that. So what does a typical day in the life of Alice Little look like? Do you see clients every day? How many do you see? What is that like? Well, let me start with the disclaimer. My experience is different than that of many of my coworkers in that I'm only available by appointment. Most ladies generally will have a shift that they'll work, say, 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. The ladies are able to choose what works best for them. And you figure their day would look like, you know, five days a week. They work their shift. They go to lineup. But I'm not available by lineup. I'm only available by appointment now. I live locally in the area. I moved out here about four years ago, not too long after I started doing this as my career. And you figure I wake up in the morning I make myself some coffee while the dogs are outside running around. I have a pet mini pig named Wanda, so I'll usually give her breakfast and cook myself up something something good to eat. And while I'm doing that, I'm on my phone. I'm sending a couple messages to people. Good morning. How are you? How did you sleep? I know you had that big business meeting yesterday. How did it go? And, and I like to share my morning with people, let people know, hey, how are you? Here's what's going on in my life and participate in that really personal way. Usually after breakfast, I'll come upstairs and do the first check of emails for the day. You figure I, I'm i very personal. I don't let anybody do that for me. Like, I, I guess there's a lot of confusion around how communication works with sex workers and oh am i actually talking to alice yeah hi you're actually talking to me over email that's that's me i answer all my own messages because that would be kind of weird otherwise and so i'll usually send some emails back and forth and then i'll load stuff up onto my website any new articles I'll take a look at YouTube, maybe respond to some comments on there, hop into social media, maybe make a couple of posts on Instagram and Twitter, and, and just kind of spend some time 
cultivating the online presence and focusing on those online relationships and those relationships that are different. When it comes to spending time with guests, I choose to only see one person a day. So this way I can really be there for them 110%, give them all of my focused effort and energy. Whereas I feel like if I was seeing four or five people each day, I wouldn't be able to have that capacity to show up and be there at that same level. And so I'm very, very particular about that. I I only like to see one person. Um, I'll usually see between four and six guests each week. You figure taking time for self-care and for myself is also an important component of the job. Every day I build some sort of self-care into my routine, whether that be taking an hour to go stretch and do yoga or go lift weights at the gym and get my energy levels high and pumped and excited. I feel like it's a careful balance when you provide for other people to also ensure that you are providing for yourself too. Because as the old saying goes, you can't pour from an empty kettle. So I've got to make sure that I've taken care of my own energy reserves while I am also taking care of the needs of others. So it's a a very careful balance. So every single day I kind of wake up and evaluate where am I today? What do I need to do for myself today in order to be there to take care of my guests? I I feel like that form of self-love is incredibly important for any anyone who has a job that has them working with folks in the emotional labor capacity because you, you've got to have the ability to give to people, which means you have to take time for yourself too. So some people are surprised to hear just how much time I will set aside for myself, whether it be going out to the barn and spending time with my horses, taking the dogs out for a hike, because if I take the time to do those those things, I'm then able to focus on all of the other things I want to accomplish, such as, hey, let me film something for YouTube. Let me put some informational content out there. Hey, I'm going to be working on a podcast. All right, today I'm going to be mentoring some of the new ladies at the ranch. All right, I've got an appointment today. It's going to be pretty stressful. This fellow's wife just passed away, you know, about a month ago. And so this is going to be a pretty emotionally charged session. And I've got to prepare myself for that too. In terms of preparing for an appointment, usually what I'll do is as I'm doing my makeup and kind of like getting ready, like physically ready for it, I'll also kind of say like, um, almost mantras to myself of in, in, in the case of the fellow whose wife passed away, I I was sitting there and I remember I was doing my eyeshadow and it was so funny. I was just like, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be a big day for him. This is going to be the first time he has had sex with someone besides his wife in his entire life. What does that mean? What is the meaning behind that? How does he feel about this? How could he feel about this? And then I remember arriving on the single word of peace. I bet you he probably wants some peace after supporting his wife through multiple cancer treatments, after having to bury her. He just wants some peace. What can I do to bring that to him? And so I had that word going through my head 
pretty much the entire time I was getting ready. And it's like, I allowed myself to be open to his emotions. I pictured, you know, how would I feel if I had just buried the love of my life? And I was about to go and connect with someone. Well, it would be a lot more than just excitement. I mean, there would probably be some fear and some doubt. And so I guess in so many ways, I try to put myself in their shoes to have this deep connection and understanding so that by the time we actually meet face to face, I'm so focused and zeroed in on them. It's like the rest of the world melts away for me. And it's like, they are the focus. They are my reason for being there, for showing up, for getting ready. And that motivates me so much so. That's so beautiful. And it really made me think of the importance of boundaries. Like you said, you have to have that time and space for yourself so that you can, you know, pour into your your clients. So what are some other boundaries that you've had to set with your clients? And how has that been for you to try to establish boundaries in your career? Woo boy, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boundary setting is so important in any career, but especially one that involves such physical relations. It's first the ability to question what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And then practicing saying, I'm sorry, that's not something I'm comfortable with. And coming up with ways to still meet somebody's needs without having to forego your own boundaries. Like, here, here's a great example. I cannot stand sticky food substances being on my body. Like the idea of somebody like dripping chocolate syrup over my boobs, like that just gives me like goosebumps. Like, oh my God, I just, for whatever reason, I just, I can't stand the sensation. But as you can imagine, for many people, that's like a real big sexy turn on. Like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to eat something like delicious off of my partner. Oh, that's like, there's a whole fetish to that. But I sure as heck can't be the person to provide that. So instead, what it ends up looking like oftentimes is if somebody approaches me for something like that, I'll suggest, hey, that's not something I'm able to do, but I'd love to enjoy that experience with you. How about we bring another lady in that is comfortable with it and even enjoys that kind of play to bring them into the scenario and have that connection with them? Let's open things up. With boundary setting too, it's important to reaffirm your no because unfortunately, in at least American society, men by and large are raised to test boundaries in a way. They're raised that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to push things in a way. Whereas women, I feel like oftentimes are raised in a much more um, kind of demure capacity where we're always supposed to be flexible and, oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to forego my own comfort for that of another. And that's toxic. That kind of internalized belief that your own comfort is less valuable than somebody else's is a perception that i feel like so many need to overcome in order to set healthy boundaries. You have to believe that you're worthy of having boundaries in the first place. And then 
getting comfortable with saying that now. No, I'm sorry. That's not something I'm willing to do. No, I'm sorry. I can't help you move. I, I'm too busy this week. Would it be beneficial for me to come and help you organize after the move? I have some time later next week, but I'm not going to be available that day. And finding ways to do that and say so again and again and practicing it, it's so important. It's so, so important to practice boundary setting. Yeah, I agree. I think that in even in my business, it's really been the crucial piece to growing my business is really setting those boundaries because without that, you know, you can really cause yourself to become overwhelmed, overworked, stressed out. And like we were talking about before, that doesn't give you the ability to really show up as your best self, as your most present self to serve Mm -hmm. the people that you're, that you're there to serve. Yeah. And you figure you're doing such a disservice to yourself when you allow yourself to become stressed and burnt out. And it's like when your energy becomes frazzled like that and you're not focused and dialed in, are you able to be there for someone? You have to be able to show up for yourself first in order to then be there for someone else. Like, for example, I'm going to be moving for the first first time in four years. Jeez. Like, that's incredibly stressful for me. You figure I was actually kicked out of the Midwest. Fun story. I was hit by a tornado, which is one of the things that led me to moving to Nevada is I was traveling around to conferences and kind of just living out of hotel rooms at the time because my apartment had just been destroyed by a tornado which is one of the reasons why I was able to make the leap out to Nevada within those 72 hours. It was like, well, I need to try something new anyway. So like for me, this move is going to be really stressful and really emotional. I'm taking an entire week off of work. Like I am making space for myself to undergo that process, to be there for myself So that on the other side of it, after the move, I'm then able to be there for my guests and just in time for the holidays too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for touching on that because I know that so many people, regardless of what type of work they're doing, if they're in the service industry and really providing, like you said, that emotional labor, boundaries are just so important. So I have loved this conversation. And before my last question... I would love to know if there's anything you wish I would have asked you or like a final message you want to leave. If I had one one big takeaway for people, I'd have to say it's connect. Connect more. Communicate more. Challenge yourself to be present, even in the most mundane aspects of your life. Ask your waitress the next time you go out to eat, How is her day going? Is there anything you could do as her guest to make her day a little bit better? Give a stranger a compliment. Stop somebody in the grocery store and just be like, wow, I just want to tell you that, you know, I love your outfit. You've got great energy. Put yourself out there and add to the lives of others because the return of that is so beautiful and so amazing and inspiring that it really is going to change the way that you live your life. When you realize that you're not just going through life by yourself, 
that there's this entire universe of human beings, souls with their own thoughts and perceptions, and that in just two seconds, you can reach out and change the outlook of someone's entire day and just stop them and be like, hey, you look great today. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you. I know this job isn't easy. It's it's such an amazing thing. And if we could have more of that in our society in general, I feel like we would be so much better off. And finally, stop, stop stigmatizing sex workers for the love of God. Like we're so much more than what people think we are. We do so much more and we provide so much more. Be willing, be accepting to challenge your perceptions. Ask yourself why you have those internalized perceptions about sex workers. Where did that stigma originate from? Is it religious? Did somebody tell you at some point in time that sex workers were bad? Was it a bad movie that you watched that portrayed sex workers as being these less than beings? Like, question those beliefs and put yourself out there. And you're going to be so much better off for it. I love that so much. And it kind of goes into my last question, which is really about taking action. Because I think that that's how we really start to integrate what we learn and really make the change in our lives. So what would be three action steps that people could take to live a more uplifted life? The very first thing that you can do is start your morning with a positive thought. I don't care if that looks like you literally needing to put like a sticky note on your cell phone. So like when you roll over to turn your alarm off, the very first message you see in the morning is you are loved. Whatever it is, however you can install that message into your life, wake up with something positive, something that makes you smile. Whether it be changing your wake up alarm tone from the annoying to like your favorite song, create a moment of peace for yourself first thing in the morning. It will start your day off completely differently. And, you know, a good day or a good morning leads to a good day. A good day leads to a good week. A good week leads to a good month. And it just kind of has this cumulative effect. The second thing that people can do to really live a more uplifted life is to forgive themselves when they make a mistake. Guess what? You're going to screw up. You're going to forget to do something. You're going to make a mistake, probably multiple mistakes, every single day of your life. And rather than investing energy into being negative and, oh, why'd you do that? Why didn't you remember this? Hey, oh, I should be so much better. No. Change, change that mindset into, you know, that's okay. I made a mistake. What did I learn from this? How can I change my actions so this doesn't happen again? And finally, believe in yourself. How to do that is such a personal journey, whether it be looking in the mirror and reciting mantras, lying there for a few minutes first thing in the morning and just repeating words to yourself over and over again. I am worth it. I am safe. I am beautiful, I am loved, I am cherished, I am helpful, I am positive, I am kind, I am giving. Or for some people, believing in themselves looks like being willing to reach out and get that affirmation from someone else, whether it be a mental health professional, a coach, a friend, a sex worker. Reach out and be willing to hear messages like that as well can be a great way 
to, to take some really actionable steps towards believing in yourself. But most importantly, you have to do it. You actually have to make the commitment right now, like get out your damn phone and pencil five minutes into your schedule to believe in yourself and set the time aside to actually do that. Whatever that looks like, you actually just have to do it though. Make the time. Thank you so much, Alice, for being here and for sharing your story and your wisdom and your knowledge so openly with my audience. And I just want to acknowledge you for the incredible work that you are doing to help destigmatize sex work and sex in general. And, you know, even the way that we look at our bodies and our self-worth and our roles as women in sex. I just think it's so powerful. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having such an amazing podcast. We need more messages like this out in the world. Seriously. It's, it's so important. And I hope that anybody listening right now feels called to genuinely uplift themselves too, and not just listen, but actually put it into action because you know, you're worth it. Absolutely. That's my goal for having this podcast. So where can everybody find you and learn more about you and connect with you? So the internet is not a friendly place, not a friendly place for sex workers all the time. As such, the best way to connect with me is going to be through my own website, which is thealicelittle.com. You figure social media has the capacity to delete our accounts at any point that they so choose. Like my YouTube account literally was just deleted overnight. I woke up one morning and boom, 25,000 followers and an entire year's worth of my work gone. But with that said, I do put myself out there on social media. You can find me on Twitter at the Alice Little or on Instagram at the Alice Little Official. Or you can always just email me, alicelittle at bunnyranch.com. And please, please, don't hesitate to email if you feel called to ask a question or just be like, wow, I really love this episode and I just want to get to know you better. Reach out, connect, take that next step. I love that so much. And Alice is amazing to connect with. I was like so excited when I emailed you and I was like, oh my God, she's emailing me back. So she really does answer all of her emails. So thank you again, Alice, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. Yes. And I hope we have a chance to connect again in the future, whether it be online or perhaps even in person. I hope so. I would love to. I would love to meet you in person. That'd be amazing. Right? We should we should just make it happen. Let's do it. it Yes. Awesome. Thanks again, Alice. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with me. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one. If this episode really resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you screenshot and share it with your friends and family or share it on your Instagram story. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which helps me spread the message and get the podcast heard by more people. For more self-love and powerlifting inspiration, come follow me on Instagram or join my private Facebook group, Self Love School. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, stay uplifted.